All right, welcome back. It is Pat and Sean again. We are doing a little comics. Sean, what's been going on, bud? Any uh, anything new with you? Not too much. Nothing new. Very excited for WandaVision, which drops tomorrow. I was telling you before, it's definitely gonna fill the void that Mandalorian left for me. You know. Oh, I know. And done for now. I was saying, from the people who've gotten to see the first three episodes, fucking killer. Yeah. I heard the first three episodes. Each one's only like 30 minutes or right at the like same time frame a usual an old TV show would be back in the day because they wanted to have that exact vibe oh, okay. of like a vintage sitcom type thing or whatever or the I Love Lucy, whatever the fuck they're basing it off. Right. Um, but I was saying, I think Wanda, I think WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness are going to be like two critical points in bringing in X-Men uh fantastic four a whole bunch of new characters that are going to have older deeper backstories possibly and give him an explanation as to why they just like sat out when thanos came two separate times <laughs> yeah where were you <laughs> we were gonna come out for the third thanos attack <laughs> the first two you guys looked like you had it super handled right like the x-men were about to come out and then they spoiler alert open the portals in uh infinite or end game and they're like we were gonna come and then you guys all showed up and we figured too many cooks in the kitchen type thing <laughs> we thought you guys seemed to handle yeah, it then we heard there was a time machine involved we're like we're gonna sit this one yeah out. we're not a time we're more space <laughs> we'll go into space we're not a time travel type group <laughs> but i think it's gonna be hugely important and i'm excited to see wandavision because i also fucking love Catherine hahn yeah oh uh, yeah that's right she's on it yeah dude yeah, something about her. Oh, her humor. Yeah, dude, it just she's it works. a piece, dude. Yeah, <laughs> absolute piece. Um, in other Marvel news, though, I was telling you something I'm excited for is the possible return of Matt Murdock, played by who is it? Is it Brian Cox? I, want to I say? don't know his name. The guy from the TV show. From the TV show. Um, and then also Jessica Jones is coming back potentially as well. So I'm super fucking I liked both those characters. Charlie Cox, not Brian oh, okay. Cox. Um I liked both of those series. Someone did a great comparison that the three seasons of Daredevil are Marvel's version of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Oh yeah. And I was like, wow, I can kind of get that. They're it's a great se- like season. For all three. And Do then, they, like, wrap it up in the third season? I don't remember exactly if they get it fully wrapped because I think it was kind of a weird... They didn't know what was happening. Like, right. I don't know if they knew... I think towards the end of, like, Iron Fist and shit, they were pretty relatively aware that, like, this isn't going good. Yeah. Because, like I said, the actor for Iron Fist, it just wasn't the role for him. Mm-hmm. Same with the dude from um, Luke Cage. Just a stiff actor Mm -hmm. like he just doesn't he doesn't have the swagger that i want like my um my i or my luke cage to have yeah but if they could bring back charlie cox and jessica jones i'd be because it's Kristen ritter who ends up being uh jessica jones in the TV show and she fucking crushes. Yeah, her. everyone likes her. Isn't she, she? Isn't she on Breaking? She's on Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. She's yeah. Jesse's girlfriend. Yeah. That uh, 
again, spoiler, it's Breaking Bad. So if you haven't seen it by now, fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> Shit's like 10 years old. Yeah. I once had someone, no joke, I swear to God, we were, it's when the new Great Gatsby had come out. Yeah. And we were all hanging out and everyone's like, we're all going to go see the Great Gatsby. And I was like, sick, dude. Have fun watching a, du- a rich dude die in a pool. And this dude goes, Jesus, man, spoiler alert. You didn't know how it ended. And I was like, spoiler alert, the book's been out for a hundred fucking years, <laughs> dude. If you haven't read it. And they read it in every 10th grade English class. Yeah, every school has at least a thousand copies of The Great Gatsby somewhere in it. I thought you were about to be like this guy like didn't know who Leonardo DiCaprio was. Like, yeah, we're about to see this new guy, this Leonardo DiCaprio guy. I I heard he's pretty good. Leo (laughs) DiCaprio? I don't know. It. He seems like he could be a breakout star. I know. He's, he seems awesome. He, he doesn't date any woman over 26. He's awesome. <laughs> he is the creepiest. Like, he's a very odd dude. To he me. gets a pass, though. You know, he you does, hear about it every once in a while. Like, Leo's always with young women. It's like, dude, like, people don't care. He. He also doesn't really do anything and they egregious. Adults, like, yeah, they are consenting adults. Yeah, they are. It's here. not like he's not with like ten-year-old women. Well, I just I was just talking about Chaplin. That Chaplin movie I watched. You know, Robert Downey yeah. Jr. puts on an acting clinic, so good. But Chaplin liked the younger ladies, like sixteen. Dude, that's like, what I'm saying. Back in the day, <laughs> people were super fucked up. Yeah, there was um, it was like it wasn't Elvis Elvis Costello. It was. A old like country western. Oh, it was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry yeah. Lee Lewis. Not only was a girl thirteen, but it was his cousin. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> TMZ's on top of that one today. Jerry, are you marrying your thirteen-year-old cousin? Oh, they caught him at the airport. Like, yeah, like that was like the OG like TMZ uh, <laughs> yeah, gotcha were, journalism. It just said, dude, that they had to sit there for thirty-five <laughs> minutes while they took the picture. Of God, um, but we are getting a little off topic. Before we dive into the countdown, since this is a comic book yeah. show, I have the I would say the newest book I've been reading because um, I was putting on comics for a little bit. But my buddy just let me borrow some issues of this book called uh, The Sheriff of Babylon. Okay, so it's Vertigo Comics, and um, it's very just just a story, just a storytelling type piece. It's not superheroes or anything. What it is, it's a guy who it takes place during the Iraq War. Okay, and this guy who is a he's like a cop, but they. Now, he's not a soldier, but they sent him to Iraq to train these soldiers to kind of like, you know, become the new police force in Iraq while they're establishing democracy and elections and stuff. Um, but there's some cool little stuff that happens. I'm only two issues in, but it was pretty neat. And the artwork is very, very good. I was going to say, you said it was a Vertigo? It's Vertigo, yeah. They always do such a good job because I'm pretty sure Vertigo is basically just the adult, was adult DC for a while, yeah. wasn't it? Because that's what Sandman was originally put out on was on Vertigo Comics, mm-hmm. I think. So they they always have a little little edge to them, you know. Yeah, and I think it's just I like those stories. It's a really nice break between the ultra convoluted, super involved stories of superhero comics. Yeah, where it's just a self contained good narrative story. Yeah, that's just happens to be told in comic book form. Yeah, it, it's something like out of like a movie or like. An NCIS, but less uh, less sitcom or you know. Yeah, it's more real and just TV. kind of it's has very real. like. Yeah, there's some there's some money, there's some politics involved, there's some murder involved. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. and it, I think those honestly, I could read those as graphic novels or comics in either format much easier than if someone gave me just like a paperback book and was like, "Hey, go ahead and read this." Yeah, because at least with the art in that, it captures you a little bit deeper and draws you in 
a lot faster. Yeah, it, and it's it's twelve issues. Like I said, I'm two in, but um, my buddy let me borrow them. He's like got the full collection, and they're in really good condition. So he's like, I, now I'm on like the on the hook for him. Like, hey, be careful. With you these. have like the white gloves as you like no turn gloves, the pages, but, <laughs> but you never know because like it's not a super popular title, but they could make a movie down the line, it, and then it, you know maybe they didn't make a ton of these. A hundred percent, especially with small run stuff like that. Yeah, it's, the having full runs that were printed originally are always just. It's a nice keepsake to have that. It's not something that you're eating 3D Doritos and reading. <laughs> Ooh, uh, throwback. Shot, dude, I've just been thinking about 3D Doritos so much because they brought them back. Oh, they did? They're back, dude. I'll have to look for them. I'm, Do they come in the little Not in the thing, tubes anymore, the tube? in the bag. Oh, it's in a bag? Which is risky because... Dude, they, they, there's going to be a lot of crumbs. A lot of crumbs to be had. The, half the bag's just all crumbs. <laughs> uh, but no, let's jump back into our comics. For those who... We're not listening. Last time we ended off on Margie's Little Lulu, yeah. a.k.a. the human version of Hello Kitty. <laughs> um, so we are at number 42 right now. With number 42 comes in the one, the only, the spirit, number one. Um, honestly, what I know about the spirit is that uh, Alec Baldwin played him yes. in a movie. And that he was the original idea behind Batman, essentially. Yeah. Because he's just a regular detective, right? It's like Batman would be like the spirit meets the shadow. You yeah. Because the, at the end of the day, the spirit he basically is a private eye. He's a detective. And Batman's the world's greatest detective, as everybody knows. Um, so, yeah, basically a PI, you know, a, a sleuth, a gumshoe, if you will, with a domino mask. And he's... Just being, it's basically the original superhero, more or less. Well, because this was um, Will Eisner and Bob Iger were like both in on this. Am I insane for thinking that they don't they have something to do with Disney? Um, no, you're thinking Michael Eisner who ran Michael Eisner was, and wasn't an Iger. And then we and, were talking about this too. Will Eisner, his for some reason signature looks like Disney signature. Exactly. Okay. I knew there was things that connected them. I want to say so there's an Iger. It just seems I I thought someone named Iger was involved in yeah, I don't know Iger, yeah. I don't know that. It just both names for some reason sound really familiar yeah. and I feel like I am always a weird interest in like like we were, you were saying with the Chaplin stuff, I love that old like Hollywood kind of vibes. Disney to me is also just a very interesting because on the surface, it's always, like, so good. Mm -hmm. But you know that, like, underneath, there was just, like, ultra fucked up, weird. Like, not even including the urban legend that Disney was this, like, huge neo-Nazi or right. whatever. And then that, well, I guess at the time it was just regular Nazi. It wasn't even <laughs> neo. Um, that or that his body was frozen. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure both those have been widely disproven. Um, There's still a lot of people that think he was an anti-Semite. Yeah. But, like... I watched a thing, uh, an animator named, uh, he was a, he was like pretty much the only black animator okay. at Disney. I, his name's escaping me. It'll come to me. But uh, he's terrific. And he was like, I never saw anything like that. Yeah, that's you know? what. Like, he's like, I, the only reason I was the only black guy at Disney was because I was the only one that applied. Like, yeah. it's not like they weren't letting them in. Like, I literally just went there one day like, oh, you can, they looked at his portfolio. Oh, you can draw. You're pretty good. We'll put you on there. Yeah. I, I've never seen anything Floyd, or, Floyd Norman. That's, okay. Yeah, and he, he was big time Disney animator, not like the nine old men or whatever. But he but, was. But he was like that a huge. Next, he that, those were his teachers. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's something that 
even when you watch documentaries, that's never the case. But there is always crazy weird stories. So anything involving them, always interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I bet you, this book's worth a lot of money. We are only seven fifty in two thousand four. That's all it's worth. Well, oh, because it's only like a so this one that's in here is technically just a newspaper comic insert. Yeah. So this is before um, they actually had people like I think really printing even full comics. So, yeah, it's not a full book for those listening out there. Oh, yeah. You know what? Because this was actually 1940. Oh, so it's okay. There's no way that was – that was the spirit was drawn before that, though, wasn't it? Maybe just in comic books. Yeah, in or, comic – I mean, uh, in newspapers. In newspaper form that it came out in the 40s. Gotcha. And, of course, you know, there was the spirit. So Alec Baldwin was the spirit. This is before the, I think the it was Frank the Miller movie. Oh, no. Was he – or was Alec Baldwin the shadow? He was the shadow. That's right. We were talking about that on the other episode. Yeah. But um, yeah, they made a, Frank Miller made a spirit movie because he loves Will Eisner and he loved that stuff. And yeah. he was just coming off of Sin City. And, and he was like, dude, flopped. I still have I still have all the filters from Sin City. <laughs> Do you want to make a spirit movie too? And they were like, fuck yeah. Cause that flopped hard. Yeah, it just it just didn't make any money. People didn't really know who the spirit was. It, they didn't care. It's the idea of um it's like they use those filters for Sin City, worked great. Yeah. Sin City two, we're pushing it a little bit. It's the same way with, like, how 300 was shot. 300, yeah. 300 only works that way because of that weird filter on it. But that filter on any other movie looks fucking stupid. Yeah. And you're just like, what is this? I mean, 300 is almost like a caricature of itself at this point. You know, it's a solid movie, especially back then. Like, yeah, but now it's it's just a gaudy, ridiculous, like... But that was, like, the popcorn movie back oh, in 06 that shit, or 07. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> like, 300 was... When that first came out, that was, like, a game changer. Yeah, it was dope. And that was when people still liked <laughs> Zack Snyder. <laughs> when he was still popping. Uh, dude, he was on top of the world. And then I liked the Watchmen movie, of course. Yeah, Zack I Snyder. mean... A lot of mixed reviews, but I always liked that one. I thought Snyder just really nailed it. Zack Snyder is really good. I think he just wants all the control, which I respect. And I think when you start doing big properties like he started getting into, it's like doing... 300 and the Watchmen yeah. are like, all right, these are little comic ones. Then when they're like, you can have the Justice League, and they're like, we're going to be making all the calls, though. <laughs> don't you worry. Yeah, we don't want you getting too... Yeah, maybe him and Edward Norton should team up, because uh, I know they like to just take things over. <laughs> they're just in the editing bay for like 150 hours, just straight editing down movies. Yeah. Um, you got anything else on The Spirit? No, but um, that w- that's... Uh, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> it's a, very, a classic. A good it's one a to, classic. It's a good it's, one yeah. to start on. Exactly. Like I'm not going home and like cracking open the Spirit comics, but uh, I'm no. glad that they existed. I, I guarantee you the comics are ultra corny. Probably. Um, speaking of, though, we're going to jump into the one, the only, picture stories from the Bible. Greatest story ever told. Greatest story ever told. Let's turn it into a comic book. <laughs> um. So the big thing about this, let me find this dude's name, was, oh yeah, to make this sound cool at first, they go into a whole, the article goes into talking about jazz music to try and suck you in, (laughs) as if like that was going to be the thing that they were like, yeah, see, it's like jazz, the Bible's like jazz, it's cool. Oh yeah, Um, (laughs) totally. Yeah, it's just like that. No, it was... Basically, a dude named Max Gaines who actually helped create and publish Tales from the Crypt and Mad Magazine 
or Mad Comics when yeah, they first came I know out. Yeah, you're talking about. He basically published those two so he could finance this complete failure of a book called Picture Stories of the Bible because he felt it was so important. Right. Which is just absolutely a bananas thought to me um, because they're just so polar opposite. Yeah, that's true. So what's your favorite Bible story of all time? Um, dude, that's a solid question. I like the Bible stories where they're like more comic style, where it has like a giant in it yeah. and like a, a little kid beats a giant with a rock. Yep. That's a good one. I like the dude with the magical hair. and Samson? Yeah, and his girl cuts it off. Yeah. And then he becomes a weak pussy. <laughs> and then it is, the Bible does have some fucking like insane stories that you're yeah. like, it's crazy to think people are like, no, but this one's real. Yeah. Like, people who take them literally, you're like, you know there's another story in there about a guy with a coat that's multiple colors <laughs> that's magic, right? There's a guy. There's another guy, old man, giant boat. Right. Sails it with two of each animal. He, he built it himself. Didn't happen. Yeah. A senior citizen. <laughs> a senior citizen. How does he even get all these animals? I wonder, so what, the, what, what think, stories are in the comic? So this one, I think, it looks Old Testament. Because they got a couple names on the front. So you got your classic Saul, Moses, Joseph, Noah, Ruth, Jonah, Esther. So I think it was a lot of Old Testament. Old Testament leans more to a comic book. New Testament yeah. is just... New Testament straight up, just a couple of boys kicking it, going town to town... <laughs> Doing a couple magic tricks, you know, getting... They were kind of like the first boy band on tour. <laughs> Slash uh, David Blaine. Sla the yeah. magic, magic it's like, tricks. remember when David Blaine hung out with, like, Tobey Maguire and Leonardo DiCaprio Street and shit magic? all the time? Yeah. yeah, that's, like, what Jesus was. <laughs> so it's funny you mentioned Jonah and the whale. Like, if you, like, try to dispute it with Bible people, it'd be like, well, yeah, like, this guy lived in a whale. Like, that couldn't happen. And they were like... No, actually, it was a big fish. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> changes. Like, they're like, well, the actual thing is it wasn't really a whale. It just translates to big fish. It, it's so bizarre that it's if you're reading any of any kind of religious books, obviously you're not reading it for the actual story of like the character. You're reading it for the underlying message of yeah. like, hey, don't be a fucking asshole because it comes around and you might get eaten by a big fish. <laughs> it's they're not like no, it means we should watch out for fish that can eat us. Yeah. You're like that's this didn't happen. <laughs> One guy was a magician, the rest of the stories are scattered from 5000 years before anyone knew what was happening. It right. was all just a giant game of telephone. Someone <laughs> in someone in Syria sold, told someone else in modern day Turkey Thousands of miles away about some guy who did one thing. Yeah, and, like, the image of Jesus, I've heard, like, you know, the one we all know with the long hair and beard, that was, like, a, one of the, like, a pope's son or something. Oh, yeah. Or a king's son. That he just, they're like, yeah, let's just use him. And I guess this dude was, like, not a good but dude at all. it's been proven that all cultures just, they appropriate Jesus to their culture because that's what people are going to want to worship or look up to is someone that resembles the people that he's supposed to like represent yeah so it's like you don't have white jesus in thailand the the russos were just on shout out joe and vince russo were just on is on their instagram talking about like yeah i thought jesus was italian They're like he was visited by three wise guys <laughs> like, but it is like all these places you just see different versions of jesus that it's like 
you it's still the guy the one guy that we show on a cross yeah like which is kind of fucked up that that's the thing that we remember him by we're like dude we just remember you dead like i think if they just we remembered one guy just as him in the electric chair yeah or mel gibson who's like i want to make a movie about jesus oh that's a great idea Wait, I'm not finished. It's just going to be the last three days of his life where he gets tortured, beaten, and buried. Well, and then he does, um, they're doing a sequel. <laughs> he has risen? He has risen, dude. Is Mel Gibson involved? Jesus comes back. Is Mel Gibson allowed in Hollywood still? I don't, yeah, he's back. I think he's like doing uh, like B level movies where he just beats the fuck out of like oh, yeah, criminals yeah. or like just people on the street. And he's just like, he's, like the, he's doing a bootleg Liam Neeson. Yeah. I think is his vibe. I saw an article that Bruce Willis was asked to leave like a Home Depot or some shit because he for he, no man, dude. Because Bruce Willis kind of fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, I think Bruce Willis as an actor, great. Bruce Willis as a person, dog shit. And then everyone had like the same comment on Instagram, like "Live free or die hard." <laughs> yeah, Eddie. That's the same group of people that think like John McClane's a real cop. <laughs> like, Wait, he's not. They're like, you can't. They can't kick him out. He's a police officer, and you're like. What? Dude, he had glass in his feet. Like, he suffered. He's a victim. He was in those vents, dude. Yeah. I remember it. He had the lighter. It was Car- him and Carl Winslow. Yeah. Were tag team in a crime scene. <laughs> uh, I shot a kid, John. <laughs> All right. We are going to move on from the Bible to something ultra, ultra similar, which is Giant Size X-Men number one. Also filled with fantastical stories. So hype. This is I, this is a big book, guys. I think game changer for X-Men. Yes. Because prior to this, X-Men was literally just playing reruns, but in the comic printing version and printing old stories that they had already done. And the team was just stale as fuck. This OG X-Men team, four white guys, or four white people, five white people, Four white guys. Yeah, like Beast isn't even Beast at that point. He's just no, some he's hairy just, dude. Yeah, he's just a hairy like guy with like a mat. He just has forearm hair. Yeah, and he kind of walks on all fours, maybe like knuckly kind of. Yeah, like Tarzana. And then boom, we jump into giant size game changer. You get your heaters. You get Storm. You get Wolverine. You get Colossus. You get Nightcrawler. I love. Oh, you get uh, Warpath or Warbird. Yeah, and then I think Banshee shows up pretty Banshee shortly after. Banshee shows that. up pretty shortly after. Sunfire shows up pretty yeah, shortly yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, Sunfire, yeah. Um, I love on the cover that they have Cyclops in both the old team as well as the new team breaking yeah. out of uh, the page. So Cyclops is obviously just – he's the number one dick of the team always. Yeah. I mean, he has a – I've always said this. Like, he has a really cool power. But, like, it's just they, – they there's always just so much drama around the Have character. you ever heard that his power is actually, like, it's beams from another dimension or something? Yeah, shit? well, so he was – a like, I've, I've heard the origin story of Cyclops is that, like, he wasn't born with these mutant powers. He actually was abducted by aliens, him and his brother. Yeah, and – because I think there's – I think now in comics there's actually three Summers brothers. So there's oh, okay. Havoc. Yeah. There's Cyclops. And then I think there's a third one. Who's like a space pirate? Havoc's laser beam comes out of like his chest, doesn't it? Like his is ass. more. His is like. Um, I think he has like sonic abilities, like sonic manipulation. Oh yeah. And then they use that center harness to be able to control it. But yeah, I was talking to my friend about X Men. I'm like, yeah, we're about to get into giant size X Men on this next countdown, and I'm like, yeah, because the original run just wasn't very popular, and like, you know, the, I was telling him about the original five. He's like. Yeah, I don't really care about any of them. Like, yeah, bring on Wolverine, bring on Storm and Nightcrawler. Like, that's what people want to read about. I think the original five 
just kind of have they're all too much. It's like Jean Grey, Marvel Girl, is such a fucking complicated, convoluted, kind of bullshit of a character where you never know are you like, oh, is Jean Grey the strongest being in the galaxy right now or what's going on? Because, like, this Phoenix Force just can't seem to leave these people alone. Yeah. And then Iceman is technically one of the most powerful mutants with the ability to freeze and manipulate liquid. Yeah. So it's like Iceman's cool. It's pretty much uh, like Angel. Like I don't care about Angel. Angel, like, who, who, cares? who cares? Yeah, I fuck with Angel when Apocalypse catches him, turns him into Archangel. Then he's got those sick metal wings, the fucking blue tattoos Is and that shit. On in his face. the Apocalypse in the comic, I think that's in the comic. And then they end up using it in the '90s cartoon. Oh, cool! So they do yeah. a cool iteration of so, him in the '90s cartoon. Becomes he becomes one of Apocalypse's uh, horsemen of death. Yeah. Um, and this is Chris Claremont, correct? That did Giant Size X Men. Was uh, that the yeah, first? I believe. Oh, you know what? It was by Len Wein and Dave Cockrum. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. I remember from reading the article, it was basically those dudes did surprisingly a short run on it, but then it got taken over by Claremont and became kind and of what, jo- and John Byrne. Yeah, and we yeah. it just became what we kind of know. But their runs weren't. Their runs kind of blended into each other yeah whereas some people have like a hard end point they i think um len wine and them were just like yeah we're just kind of whatever with it well, yeah and len wine worked on a lot of books and he came up with wolverine and, so and i was gonna say with back then at the time too it wasn't something that oh i'm gonna do this whole run of my jeff john's green lantern run and it's gonna have this almost you know huge overarching story and it's like this is my run of it Back then, they were just like, it was comics for hire. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Like, I mean, dude, we're not changing. I don't care if you write the first two Phoenix Force books and someone else comes in and writes the other two. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Len Wein worked for DC and Marvel. Yeah. So. And because that, that's what it was back then was a lot of these dudes were just hired guns. And that's why you do see a lot of characters that have really similar characteristics from one another, where you get Thor and, like, the old gods and... Then Jack Kirby goes over to DC and literally does the new gods <laughs> and has very similar like stylizing to them. Cause there's just so many comic books is riddled with characters that are just mirrored images of one another. Yeah. And like, but like when, and then also when they work for both Marvel and DC, you'd be like, Oh, I really like this writer, this artist. Oh, he's uh he's working over DC now. Maybe I'll pick up that book. You know, it, I don't usually read DC comics, but I you know, see it, what he's doing with that. I them. think that was a cool thing too, yeah. is it unintentionally helped both of them grow to yeah. be like, I'm sure neither of them planned it that way because obviously that'd be horrible business to be like, <laughs> we'll both grow together. We could be friends. <laughs> um, but no, it made both of them grow because even when you see an artist that likes, that has a certain like style and drawing, you're like, Oh, I really like how this art style looks. And then you're like, oh, this one looks the exact same. The story almost doesn't matter sometimes. Sometimes you're just like, whoa, I want this book because I like how this art looks. Yeah. So you'll grab DC. You'll grab whatever. That's how Image basically started. True. Was they were just like, hey, we draw the best and write the best. Do you care about the characters or about us? Right. And it forced people's hand to show that, like, no, we care about the art. Yeah. They really, I mean, that's what's so cool about this, you know, uh, this whole scene is that it's, you're you're just as invested in the people that write and draw these comics as the actual characters themselves, you know, it, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think you just get in. 
it's the artists combined with these writers that like draw you in that you don't necessarily have to you can develop new characters all the time yeah. you don't need to stick with batman and superman are only around because people still enjoy writing them mm -hmm. if people didn't then we could get rid of them and i don't think that bump in the road would be that crazy true you know especially with new comic readers uh you got anything else on giant size x-men one other than it's probably i would say marvel's Biggest game changer comic book. Yeah, it sold a ton of copies. And then, like I was saying, Chris Claremont comes on shortly after this book. And then he ends up writing for X-Men for like 20 years. Yeah. And so. then, don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure X-Men goes in that same pattern that it had before of it pitters out for a while. And then you get Jim Lee's X-Men 1. Yeah. Which is, I think, holds the record still for most comics ever sold. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's... The X-Men are just always in a rebuilding. There's so many characters. There's so much backstory that it's like you could revamp them every time, have a new team, have new characters, and everyone's still going to – as long as there's, like, an injustice between groups of people, the X-Men remain relevant. Yeah, they kept it rolling. I mean, with New Mutants and X-Factor, I think, like, Claremont even wrote for them a little bit, too. Yeah, they definitely – people just shared it all around. Like, every X title, people were just joining in. And they've done a lot of goofy side version ones – that are actually super interesting. Oh, yeah. Because they do that. Is it X Factor? I think it's X Factor where they changed, like, the whole style and they added, um, like, I think it's Droop is, like, this, like, green alien that's, like, super round. And it almost becomes this weird, like, pseudo, like, art punk style, like, comic for a yeah. minute. And I don't know Droop. I don't. It's a weird. <laughs> but, no, I think... Uh, X-Men is just such a classic to me. It's probably one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. At least in Marvel, I would say X-Men's my go-to. They are. It's just you can't be. And, and wrapping up this book, this is the book that laid the groundwork for the popular X-Men that we know today. So that's why that this book appears so high on the list for sure. Oh, with, without a doubt. Um, all right. Let's move on to number 39. We are going with Young Allies number one. So I wasn't super familiar. Um, did read through it. Basically, Young Allies number one sets the groundwork for your teen sidekicks, your teen titans, your young justice, your even your new mutants, teams of kids being able to be heroes. So obviously, this is from um, 1941, so you're still getting Bucky fighting uh, the Red Skull and Hitler yeah. with like four other kids, and then a small version of the human torch, uh, Toro. Oh, that's the, that's the kid version. Yeah. Which what I, I've, as a kid, I liked, I was a sucker for young justice. I love that shit. But as you get older, you're like wildly irresponsible. Yeah. I mean, it's not a cop out. People enjoyed these books, but it was, they just wanted to make some money. They wanted to sell some books it's, and kids liked that concept that, Oh, I could be a superhero. I could be the hero. Yeah. yeah. So that's, it's genius. It yeah. makes so much sense. And it's a trend that's stuck around forever. You oh, yeah. get, it's never going to go away. There, Batman <laughs> will always have a Robin. There's always going to be these weird sidekick teen kids that come into all these characters lives. And I don't think it's as heavy now as it once was. Cause at a certain point you had everyone with, you had Superboy. you had, Kid Flash or Impulse, you had Aqualad, you had Wonder Girl, you had Robin, you had Kid Lobo. Like, you have all these characters that you're like, this is the obvious 
children's money grab. Ever. Oh yeah, but then like so then then you get your really popular people like Spider Man, who's a teenager, and now he is the ma- he's not just the sidekick, yeah. he, and that's what and that's what brings Spider Man <laughs> to yeah, he's the most profitable comic book character ever created. I mean, that's why I always thought Spider. I'm like, wait, he's in high school and he's a superhero. That's the coolest Which, thing ever to me. Exactly why. I don't really fuck with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, dude. Because he, because he, well, he's, he's only adult. in high school for five minutes in those, yeah. Yeah, and it's even when he's in college in it, I'm like, this dude's older than college. He's, he's got, are you a professor? <laughs> what are you talking? Mary Jane, if you're not on Broadway yet, girl, you're fucked. Yeah, you're not getting on. <laughs> this is this is a young lady's game, dude. What are you like? Yeah. You he, look older standing next to Tobey Maguire. He was just such an un. And I know everyone loves uh, Spider-Man 2. I was just talking to yeah, someone the other one. day. It is really good, but it's just, you have that fucking train scene. That one goes a little too long. You have like parts of it where it's like, the, it's good, but I'm like, is this the best Spider-Man we've ever had? Because I really think Tom Holland yeah, no. crushes, I think both the new Spider-Man movies crush a ma- or regular Spider-Man 2. Yeah, and that's what's great, you know. Sometimes there are they just always oh, are cranking out these Spider Man and Batman movies, but sometimes I mean they do a good job with them, and sometimes it's better than what came out before. A hundred percent. And you don't know it until you try. And it's them taking new approaches too. Shout out! I am excited for new Batman. Yeah, I want Rob, Rob Bats. We got to check it out. You know, I, I I'm always gonna give it a chance, just like I gave Ben Affleck a chance. I'm gonna give Robert Patterson. A I chance. do I do think that Ben Affleck's gonna be uh, living that bottom three. Batman of all time. He's going to be chilling there with Val Kilmer. He's there with Val and George. (laughs) George Clooney is almost honestly just like, yeah, I fucking suck in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They grab brunch on the weekends. Like, we're the shitty Batman. Yeah, we're the (laughs) shitty. Such a good, diverse crew, too, because it's like Val Kilmer, I'm pretty sure, is a like Christian scientist now. So he was was just in something. Oh, it was. They had him in the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Did you see that? I did not. How was that? I mean, it was kind of funny. It wasn't Kevin Smith's best work, but it was just nice because it was just a callback to all the stuff from Jay and Silent it, Bob Strike Back. I, and I then they feel, get this whole thing like, is it a reboot or a remake? <laughs> I feel like um, for that movie, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, or is it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's reboot. Um, I feel like knowing Kevin Smith, I would enjoy it for the just disgusting amount of easter eggs for other movies and other dumb shit he's done yeah all the all of them come back which is exactly why i think i'd be like oh this is what i like because i could watch i'm sure it's probably what a smooth 90 minutes of like (laughs) just references to prior movies where i'd be like oh 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 that's him from dogma that's him from dogma (laughs) oh they're at movies they're at movies yep i i had a great time watching it It was fun but yeah val kilmer plays uh blunt man so oh yeah he's got little batman ears on his leather hat i'm like and i'm like is that fucking val kilmer (laughs) That was that's the and he doesn't have any lines. He doesn't because he's because he's you know Silent Bob is Blunt oh, Man. Oh yeah. So when they're because they're shooting another movie, they're like oh they're remaking that campy Blunt Man and Chronic movie like the one with fucking uh, Jason, Jason Biggs and, and James Vanderbeek. Dude, that is good for Val Kilmer, man. He's yeah. gone a little cuckoo, but he fucking rocks. Yeah. Um, big thing about this though as well on Young Allies, obviously early Jack Kirby too. Oh yeah, it's Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but now we are moving on to number 38, a.k.a. The Vault of Horrors, number 12. Okay. Um, basically, it's just an early precursor of horror comics. This was the time when people really fucked with sci-fi comics, horror comics. You had your detective comics 
kind of starting to come out. It's the 1950s. People are kind of over the wartime superhero stuff. They want to just have, I think, more, not necessarily down to earth, but more like real in, like, this could almost happen. Like, yeah, it sounds fucking crazy, but they're playing it it off as if, like, obviously there's no Superman. But they're like, aliens could come. Aliens, ghouls, and goblins. Yeah, like, just, like, crazy shit like that. And, I mean, this was a precursor for your Tales from the Crypt and, you know, all your other fucking random shit that ended up getting sent to court for the fucking, um, what is it? For seducing the innocent. Seducing the innocence, dude. Because the guy who wrote this um, was the one who made the comment about a book we had talked about prior where they had cut a woman's head off. Yeah. And the judge was like, do you think this is grotesque? And he's like, no, I think if the head was a little bit higher and the body was a little bit lower, it'd be really bad. And the judge was not super thrilled with <laughs> that answer. But I've never been a big horror comics person. Yeah, I just like the art. I always thought the artwork was cool. It, but uh, they basically read like a B movie. It, you know? They read like a B yeah. movie. And if I'm going to do something that's even like slightly horror based, I feel like I'd rather do like a Constantine like okay. or a Swamp Thing. Yeah. Something that is still kind of in the universe of the shit I'm into. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, this is like a darker version of everything. And it's a little bit horror, but it's still in that like fantastical superhero I'm not a big horror movie person. Right, same. Not my, not my I, go-to. Here's my thing. I get hit with a jump scare, and I'm I'm a twitchy guy. I got beaten dog syndrome. <laughs> but I'm not, like, scared, and I get so annoyed. People are like, dude, you were so scared right there. And you're like, no, I got startled. I'm not, like, I'm not going home like, oh, man, sleep with the lights on. Yeah. I hope to go. It's like, yeah, these are just, like, jump scares, and they're annoying. Or... It's now body torture. You're like, no, guys, someone peed in my pants. I don't know who did it, but... <laughs> someone came in here and pissed on my dick, <laughs> and now it's all over <laughs> But I would say with these books, the, you know, the story definitely comes second. Like, people just yeah. really liked drawing this cool, creepy it, stuff. That's exactly what it was. You know, I always just picture, like, a zombie with, like, you know, little bits of flesh kind of hanging off the bone. Like, those little mini details and stuff. Yeah. Like, people love that. I feel I like this that. was a big precursor to getting your underground comic stuff and getting your R crumb people and yeah, your more disgusting people who were into this shit who were like, whoa, how much sicker and darker can we make it? And it definitely sparked a huge group of artists yeah. who became more known for the art aspect of comics than even like the comic book portion. I I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Rob Zombie definitely has every issue. Yeah. Of, oh, 100%. Uh, Vault of Horror. Rob Zombie and Guillermo del Toro read these out loud to each other at night. <laughs> um, all right, we are going to jump into number 37. Sean is very excited about this. I know this is his bread and butter. We got Fantastic Four, number 48, a.k.a. first appearance of Silver Surfer, as well as galactus i believe yeah so he comes in like the last panel i think yeah i think both of them and he his suit's green green and red galactus, galactus? yeah it's fucking weird and See, then they end up changing it so. it blew my mind because even reading this they're like yeah this is where everyone finally gets silver surfer and i was just like i feel like i've been under a rock that silver surfer everyone fucks with so hard yeah and a lot of different people have written for him it's a very it's he became a very complex character later on but even in this so this run um, basically, the Watcher, who I believe has appeared before, 
just kind of a cosmic deliverer of news, a, uh, a herald, if you will. Uh, and AKA was Stan Lee was an informant for the watcher allegedly in the Marvel universe. Right. Right. So it goes deep. There's some, some mythos there, but so basically he comes and warns, Hey, this guy Galactus is going to come and fuck shit up. Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke. Uh, the silver surfer is basically the herald. Yeah. He's- but, but you know, uh, the watcher gives him the heads up. Hey, um, you're going to be visited by some people, and they might try to destroy the Earth. Now, this is a great run, and it starts with this number 48 and goes through 50. This is when the Fantastic Four kind of become a little bit more, I don't want to use the word complex, but the stories just become a little bit more interesting. Before, it was like, hey, we got to break up the Yancey Street gang. You know, they're, yeah. they're causing trouble again. Or even like- Oh, Mole Do- Man's here. Mole it, Man, Dr. It, Doom, which is, you know, cool characters, but this is like, yo, this guy is coming. He's going to, he can destroy the Earth. Like, he's the original Thanos. Yeah. You know, for sure. Well, and the I think the biggest problem with why you have to do, they, one, they didn't have the rights to Galactus, but Galactus is so much, so world-ending that Thanos is almost more reasonable of- a villain, excuse me, than, um, <laughs> than Galactus was. Like, Thanos is trying to knock out half the population. He's He almost has, like, a logic to it where Galactus is like, yeah, I'm just going to eat planets, and, like, that's it. I just need these planets. Like, it's not a choose anyone. It's just... It, it's the it's the alien invasion story as old as time. This per- the, these people, or in this case, one giant person is going to come, devour your resources, and they move on to the next. I feel like this is also seems to be when the Fantastic Four go way more into being a superhero sci-fi style of comic book that has um, people being like, all right, we're in outer space. We're using these kind of like bizarre tools where... Even Superman being from outer space, it's th- that outer space seems so different than Fantastic Four, where it's almost like a tangible thing. Yeah, it's like, almost like realistic, where they're working on science projects and using like the negative zone, and it just, like you said, it becomes more complex. And that that whole like spreading of science in the comic lets Reed Richards become a bigger character. Yeah, and that helps develop everyone else because then he's now he's a dick to Sue Storm. And Sue is like, oh, what the fuck? Now people feel bad for Sue. Johnny is Sue's brother. So now Johnny's trying to figure out how to make his sister feel better, holding animosity towards Reed. It's like it becomes a very family dynamic. Yeah. But with these books specifically, well, it's starting with number 48. It does go as deep as like the Watcher even like takes Reed Richards back in time to or like, you know, through the cosmos and tries to get to like the core of Galactus. You know, like, hey, what's this guy all about? Kind of. Yeah. And then at the same time, the Silver Surfer is starting to feel taken advantage of by Galactus. Like, what? You just have me, you know, deliver the bad news. What's up with that? Because I think the story of Silver Surfer is basically Galactus was gonna eat his eat his planet, and he was like, "Dude, you suck at sneaking up on people. You're totally losing out on a bunch of stuff." Yeah. How about? I prep a planet for you. I meal prep for you. <laughs> I get I get this bad bitch in a Tupperware, and then you smash this thing and we go. Yeah, it, but he feels he starts to feel guilty about it. Oh, for sure, because he's a part in it where he meet somehow he ends up at um at the thing's girlfriend's house. I can't. I think it's Alicia. Yeah, Alicia she's something. Blind. She's blind, yeah. and so that's she why no she's idea. with the thing. 
Yeah, there's always this this reoccurring theme of the blind characters in Marvel comics, and they're always just so much smarter than everybody. Yeah, all these dummies that can see. Stanley really, Stanley and Jack Kirby definitely looked up to a blind person somewhere along the line. They were like, "That guy was a genius." Yeah, I, you know, there's always this kind of uh, Zen thing to it. But like with her, with him talking to Alicia, like he, she doesn't know he's this weird silver guy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> She's like, what, are you not wearing clothes? What's up with that? <laughs> um, but no, it would make sense because, honestly, you have the Silver Surfer basically saved his family and indentured himself to Galactus, but now realizes that in saving his family, he now basically is just the ultimate co-conspirator in just planetary annihilation. Yeah, there was some quid pro quo for And sure. like I said, though, I just never knew that Silver Surfer was so fucking popular. Yeah. And I didn't realize that the voice of Silver Surfer in... Um, oh, the cartoon? Uh, no, in Fantastic Four 2, oh. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, for real? So Lawrence went from uh, Marvel to DC back to Marvel. Yeah. And and the reason Silver Surfer became so popular mainly was because he just looked cool and he had a surfboard. It, like, I think sw- that he was... was flying around. Like, that's I so cool. I think that 80s... Because this came out in... 65? 60s. So I feel like they definitely... The surf trend, I weirdly... I know it almost sounds dumb. And space. Yeah, space and surfing, I think were both fucking super popular. And people were like, yeah, this dude's sick. Like a chromed out surfer from space. It almost sounds like a Ninja Turtles character. Right. Than an actual character. Um, All right, let's move on. You want to knock out... These last two here, and then we're going to call it a day. Um, at number 36, we are looking at something I hoped and prayed was not going to be on any more of this list. Uh, yeah, we, we were wrong. We thought this- I, And I'm going to be honest with you, if I can get my words together. I'm going to be honest. I have looked through the rest of this book and realized that we are just sorely mistaken, that there is plenty more Disney to come. Um. With number 36, we have Walt Disney's Comics and Stories, number 31. The reason that number 31 is such a huge comic for Disney is it's the first time Carl Barks appears as drawing uh, Donald Duck. Oh, okay. So what I found out was for Disney comics, no artists or writers are ever credited. On comics. Oh, I, I have heard that, yeah. So when people started seeing these Carl Barks, Donald Duck show up and do comics, people just referred to him as the good Donald and would just be like, oh, these are the ones we want because he did, he was drawing and writing, I believe. So he's developing Huey, Dewey, and Louie. He does Daisy. Oh, awesome. He makes it more of a real world. And I think for Disney, it was just them deepening the backstory of characters that were kind of almost throwaway. You know, you never considered them as like, oh, this is this character has nephews. He has a girlfriend (laughs) like he has a neighbor. It's shit like that that you're like, now you almost take for granted. Yeah. That back then people were like, whoa, you're adding more characters. This is crazy. They were just happy to see this dude drive a steamboat at one point. Yeah. You have a fuck. It's boring as fuck to watch someone drive a steamboat. 
Are you big? We've talked about this. So yeah, I like Disney, but like I said, we were trying to call it on the last episode. I'm like, I don't think Disney's going to show back up on this countdown. Like, I didn't really think Disney made comics. I've never, I, I'm not. This is news to me. It is from this and the other Donald Duck book. That's the other thing. This is not they're, just, both they're both Donald, Donald Ducks. Ducks. They're so, not even both like actual Mickey Mouse. So weird. Um, but honestly, we've touched on the Disney, the Donald Ducks before. I mean, it's cool. I fuck with Donald. I will say this drawing. Looks way better than that goose-looking motherfucker from the previous one. This does have the classic Donald Duck vibe where he kind of... They also develop his frustrated with humanity style of like character in this, too. So I fuck with it. I mean, it's on here. I don't love Disney comics, so right, we're moving on. Moving on. To something much more interesting to close out this episode. At number 35, we have Flash Comics... Number one with Jay Garrick. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge, I'm not very knowledgeable on Jay Garrick. I mostly know from the Flash TV show, but I know he gets his powers through the dumbest fucking means. He goes outside to smoke a cigarette or something, and he's doing tests on hard water. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure is just water that has like more molecules in it or more minerals or some shit. And the water falls on him, thus giving him super speed. What's in the water? Minerals? It's it's hard water, dog. (laughs) If we don't know. Uh, But yeah, it's the Flash is fine. Like this version of it is ultra campy. It's the Justice Society of America version. It's wear a tin hat with wings on the side. Yeah. And. People fucked with it, though, because it was the first time they were getting a superhero this way, that it was the first time they got a science experiment superhero, which would go on to become the ultimate norm of most superheroes is like gamma rays, beta rays, whatever. A a beaker with something in it. (laughs) Just chemicals in general. Um, But yeah, this is the first time you got a hero like that. And I think the Flash kind of having a more singular power makes them more appealing that Superman's kind of a grab bag of everything. Batman is just nothing with everything at the same time. So I think just having one, uh, one power like super speed makes it a little bit more like not realistic, but more in the realm of like understanding. Yeah. You're not just like, Oh, well he has heat vision and he has freezing breath and he's super strong and he can fly. Like, all right, so what can't he do? He should, in theory, be able to do everything. He's a god. <laughs> yeah, he's a god. Have you you fuck with Jay Garrick at all? No, I've like so I knew there was this original Flash, this Golden Age Flash, yeah. um, but I never read any of these books. I didn't. I only got. I only read the Silver Age ones. Okay, because I was gonna say. I mean, I respect that all these are on here. I'm sure that we're gonna see other people from the JSA come up um, from some of their early books, but it's almost their just by proxy that, like, you need to have this book on here so that way you can have the other Flash books later in it. You can have Flash of Two Worlds. Because these were, like, the characters that they still use to this day. They're just on different planets in D.C. Yeah. And I know D.C. just went around and fucked around with all their continuity yet again in some Dark Knight metal. Or it was called Death Metal. (laughs) Really? Yeah, they have a whole... I don't know what is happening at DC, dude, but their comics 
just seem to be so out of control that it blows my mind. Yeah. Well, so I, it, the, the big thing to talk about is the difference in costumes. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's just funny to me that they're like, oh, we want to revamp the Flash. You know, we'll give him a new name, give him some blonde hair. What else does he need? A leotard. Oh, nice red onesie. Because this, uh, this OG, this Jay Garrett. Yeah, he just got pants, He's dude. wearing jeans. Yeah, he, My man's he's sick jeans. that way, but he does have the world's dumbest fucking hat on. Yeah. Th- That's the part I can't get down with is, like. Is it at least bulletproof? It's no, like I a, think it's just like a. T- it's like his dad's hat it's from aerodynamic. Oh, from World War One, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. It does have a World War One army helmet vibe to it. It's just a very. It's cool. I get it. I mean, this is where you get a lot of early Hawkman stories as well. So I can see even like there's a similarity almost almost to uh, Thor with the the Ex- headdress, the exactly. wings. Yeah, the wings. Yeah, I mean, again, I think at this time I wouldn't be surprised if people making drawing these were again working for both sides of like the table and we're at Marvel, we're at DC and these people are pulling from all the same shit. You know what I mean? It's like you did one thing, especially back then. It's like you made Deathstroke, We made Deadpool. Oh yeah. It's, That's the biggest. It's troll. totally fine. Um, do, anything else on the flash for you? On the go- No. So does it say anything else about the book as far as uh, um, what happens? Yeah, I'm sure there's so, a bank robbery of some kind. And- so honestly, it basically, it doesn't go over too many specific issues. It does go over a big thing about Hawkman and the Flash and that kind of having a early Green Arrow, Green Lantern kind of vibe. So them sharing books and them kind of working together. And also those characters being ones that do cross over into the Silver Age that, I mean, Hawkman eventually ends up coming back. Then you do have even Jay Garrick alive, but the other two reinventions of the flash are ultra iconic so i think it just kind of showed that comic book characters could be friends in the comic and it not be like ultra batman and robin camp yeah they bring back the uh because you said he buddies up with green lantern the golden age green lantern yeah they do they bring that back in a book i read but it's the new flash wally west okay and i think maybe Hal Jordan or a different guy, but they, they actually bring back the old costume in this book. Really? And it's from like the early 90s, mid 90s maybe or something. Oh, no, 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 it's a 2000s book. But uh, yeah, they bring it back. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that. You know, the Golden Age costume. It was kind of cool. And then Wally West, I think, had like a yellow outfit. He didn't have the OG. There's a really cool statue of this though too, real quick. I don't know who makes it, but it's, there's like a brick wall and on one side there's the Golden Age flash and on the other side... It's the Silver Age so, one, and they're yeah, like racing from, each other. Yeah, it's, it's from pretty uh, cool. Flash, the comic book Flashes of Two Worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, the cover, right? Yeah, yeah. But Very um, cool. we're gonna wrap it up on there for today. So thank you for listening. As always, follow us on Threads and Dreads Pod on Instagram. Hit us up on Spotify and Patreon. Coming to you soon. We'll be back next week with some more shows. Thanks for listening.